Welcome to Savvy and Sensible with Alvin Randall and Bennett. We're here with ARB's experienced CPAs sharing fresh ideas and guidance you can make intelligent financial decisions to help your organization thrive. Welcome to today's podcast. I'm your host, David Jean, and thank you for attending today's podcast. And today's guest is Dan Doiron. Dan is a principal at Alvin Randall Bennett. And this is the first podcast in a series addressing retirement planning. We're devoting another podcast to individual retirement accounts and a third podcast discussing retirement savings using both qualified plans and IRAs. In this podcast, we're going to provide an overview of qualified retirement plans, which are ones established by employers for the benefit of employees. In particular, we're going to consider the benefits of these plans for younger taxpayers but the information is also relevant no matter what your age. Tell me, Dan, why is saving for retirement so important? Well, David, um, you know, saving for retirement is really critical. Uh, Social Security is a government plan that all workers and employees pay into with payroll taxes. And the intention of that system is that when you retire or reach retirement age, you'll get a government check. Uh, The reality is that that Social Security benefit really is not going to be enough to live on by itself. And to be completely honest about it, frankly, the Social Security system could be viewed as sort of a Ponzi scheme. Um, That's a bit harsh to say, but the reality is that the dollars that are being paid into the system today are going to today's retirees. There's really no savings account uh, in the Social Security system that accumulates specifically for you as a taxpayer. You know, I've uh, first time I've ever had someone refer to the Social Security as being a, a Ponzi scheme, but uh, I guess it's kind of like barring for Peter to pay Paul. Right. And um, hopefully uh, when we retire, which probably sooner than later, hopefully it will be something uh, for us. I hope there's some Peters around when we retire. <laughs> so it's important for everyone to save retirement, but why should a young person perhaps be even more interested in saving for retirement, which can be many years away? Well, you know, young taxpayers really shouldn't let the advantage of time pass them by. They they have time on their side and it's a huge advantage. The power of tax deferred growth over a long period of time, coupled with the compounding of interest and investment returns can really have a huge impact on um, the dollars that will be available to somebody in retirement. And workers need to look out for number one and begin to save for retirement early. And that can be a big advantage for them. Well, certainly the power of compounding is is amazing. I mean, if you think of it, if you get an interest, uh, a rate of return of 8%, you can basically double your money in nine years. So if you start you know, saving in your early 20s and let's say you retire in your mid-60s, the compounding effect is just, uh, just enormous. Over the years, employees have offered retirement plans to employees to help them save for retirement. What are some of these plans and how do they work? So the Internal Revenue Code gives employers and employees incentives to provide for retirement funding, and they're called qualified plans. They're qualified because they meet certain requirements set out in what's known as Section 401 of the Internal Revenue Code. And as long as the plans follow the rules, they get tax-favored treatment. Until the 1980s, pension plans were the primary form of qualified plan, um, uh, that's what was offered to employees uh, to, for their retirement. And those plans were technically known as defined benefit plans. They were funded completely by the employer 
funds were invested by the employer and the plan was administered by the employer. And under that sort of plan, when the employee retires, the plan would pay out a pension, a monthly payment. Uh, some of the advantages to that type of plan, if it's done right, is there may be greater retirement benefits if the employee lives for a long time because that pension is going to continue on for the life of the employee. Uh, and the employer might be able, able to handle market risks and ups and downs better than, than an employee uh, would on their own. Yeah, we still see defined benefit plans, particularly in the public sector, you know, teachers, uh, government, uh, state, federal workers. Um, so they certainly haven't gone away, but certainly uh, haven't gained uh, much uh, popularity for some of the reasons that you just mentioned. And again, that type of plan sounds pretty good, but yeah, I don't hear much about pension plans these days. What happened? So really, um, plan complexity from the employer's standpoint was one factor. The lack of employee control over the investments was another factor. Uh, employers looking to cut costs. Uh, and then the invention of the 401k plan um, all combined to make these plans less popular in the private sector. These types of plans are complex. Not all employee employers invested in them wisely and not all, all of them follow the rules. The accounting for them was complex. It it kind of messed up their balance sheets for some employers by having to bring their pension plan into their company financial statements. Um, and the employee really had no control over these retirement funds and how they were invested. And I think we can speak from experience, but we've seen situations where you know companies have set up these pension plans or the defined pension plans, but the company's no longer in business. So uh, there's a lot of risk of, of, of non-payment payment mm -hmm. in those sort of situations. Um, you said the invention of the 401k plan played a role in the decline of pension plan popularity. How did that happen? So in the late 1970s, Section 401k was enacted as part of the Internal Revenue Code. And at that time, the thinking was that 401k plans would be a supplement to a pension plan. But since that time, there's been a huge shift away from pension plans uh, funded only by the employer to these types of plans that are called defined contribution plans which a 401k plan is, employers realized that a 401k plan would be easier to administer, would give the employee more control over their investments, and would generally be less expensive to the business in the long run. And um, as a result, private companies have tended to gravitate towards 401k plans and away from pension plans. So with a defined contribution plan, the employee is the primary funding source but the employer does have the option to make contributions into the plan. Uh, these can be in the form of matching contributions or profit-sharing contributions. Uh, the employer still has some administration and fiduciary responsibilities that they have to deal with, but the plans are less costly, they're less time-consuming, they're, they're really not impactful to the company's financial statements at all as compared to a defined benefit plan, so the company sees advantages in doing that. And as a side note, you may have heard about 403B plans, and those are essentially 401k plans that are offered by nonprofits and tax-exempt organizations. So how do individual retirement accounts fit into this picture? So an IRA, um, and there are two types, there's a traditional IRA and a Roth IRA, are not technically qualified plans. They're not sponsored by a business. They're uh, funded by individuals. Uh, they do act in similar ways. Uh, and we're going to be diving deeper into those in our next podcast. Okay, great. Okay, so back to qualified retirement plans. What tax-favored features do they have? So typically, a qualified plan is going to allow for 
contributions into the plan to be tax deductible. So when the employee defers money from their pay, they don't pay tax on that amount that's deferred and put into the plan. The amounts inside the plan, including earnings and gains, are not taxed until they're distributed out of the plan. So you have this annual growth in there that's happening without being diminished by taxes. Uh, you have employer matching contributions that may be going on, and you have employer profit sharing contributions that may be going into the plan as well. Great. So how does a 401k or 403b plan work? Can you walk us through the basics? Sure. So a plan gets established by the employer, and this allows employees to defer money from their paycheck in order to make contributions into the plan. Those contributions, as I said, reduce the employee's taxable income. The employer and the plan trustee are going to select various investment choices, usually a set of investment options that gives employees exposure to various market segments. And the participants can choose how their funds are invested inside of the plan. So how much can employees defer from their paychecks into a 401k or 403b plan in 2021? So the maximum deferral in 2021 is 19500 uh, Some employers might impose a minimum amount uh, because of the administration of the plan. They want to see employees putting in at least some, some minimum amount and not too small of an amount. But the maximum is 19500 Now, for those that are fortunate like you and me that are over 50, uh, there are some eligible catch-up uh, contributions as well that can be made. Yes. I guess there's some benefits of getting older, I guess. There are some benefits to getting older, but not, not all that many. <laughs> so can you explain more about these market segments? Let's say I want to invest in a particular stock inside my 401k plan. Can I do it? Well, you know, in general, no. Um, employers are going to offer, for the most part, a pooled sort of investment fund approach. It will give you exposure to different investment types. And generally, the two broad types of investment choices that are available are fixed income or bonds and the other type is equities or, or stock. And within those broad categories, for instance, in fixed income, you could have U.S. government, you could have corporate bonds, you could have money market type guaranteed funds, and various other types of fixed income investments. And on the equity side, there may be options to invest in a U.S. stock fund or an international stock fund, an emerging market stock fund, maybe index stocks, and various other things. Now, you and I are not investment advisors, and neither is the employer. So participants are going to need to do a little homework and educate themselves about the types of investments to choose in their IRA. The employer may offer some help uh, in terms of having sessions, counseling sessions, if they hire out a, a 401k trustee who's in the business of doing that. To be honest, most participants and most employers don't really spend adequate time on investment choice education, and that can be a shortcoming of a 401k plan. Earlier, you mentioned the employer having the ability to contribute to a 401k plan via matching and profit sharing. Can you explain that further? Sure. If the employer offers a match, it means what they're going to do is contribute additional funds into the 401k that bears some relationship to what you contribute. Employer matching formulas can be tailored by employers as they see fit. They might match dollar for dollar up to X amount, or they might do a 3% match or a 4% or a 5% match or some specified percentage. If the employer offers a profit-sharing component, then the employer is going to decide annually how much to contribute into the plan, and that gets divided among all the participants of the plan. Employer matches and profit-sharing contributions don't trigger any income tax on the participant at the time that they're put into the plan. 
income taxes are only due when the participants take money out of the plan. So the bottom line about matching and profit sharing is that the employer is really giving you additional money just for participating in the 401k plan. So you really should take advantage of it. Great. Uh, participants in a plan might need to deal with vesting. What is vesting? So vesting is a way that employers might provide incentives for you to remain with the company. I guess a more crass way of saying it is that it's a way for the employer to handcuff you to the company. So funds that you defer into the plan, the amounts that you take out of your paycheck and put in are, are under your control and ownership from the day you put them in. The employer can't put any handcuffs on you with respect to those funds. But the funds that the employer contributes, like these matches and these profit-sharing contributions, may be subject to vesting requirements. And vesting means that you gain access to the funds with the passing of time. So, for example, if you have a vesting schedule of 20% per year, it means after five years with the company, you'd be entitled to 100% of the funds that were subject to the vesting. So following up on that example, if you were to leave the company after one year of service, you would be able to retain 20% of those amounts subject to vesting, and the other 80% would go back to the employer. Okay, so a 401k can be a great tool for employees to save for retirement, but what happens if an employee decides to change employers? So uh, if an employee leaves the employer, they do have some options. Um, each plan can provide for various options, but in general, they are four things. First, you can cash out, take the money out. You're going to pay tax on that. If you're younger than 59 and a half, you're going to pay a early distribution penalty of 10%. Um, it's generally not recommended to do that, but maybe a circumstance in life uh, dictates that you need to do it. The second thing you could do is leave the account with a former employer if they allow that to happen. Uh, but it is another account you have hanging around and you have to worry about. A third option may be to roll over the 401k from the old employer to your new employer's 401k if the new employer allows it. Uh, but you have to recognize that fees within 401k plans can erode returns. The fourth option is rolling over to an IRA, and this can be the best option. You can choose where to have that invested, how to invest the funds more uh, precisely um, than in a 401k plan. And we're going to talk more about IRAs in our next two podcasts in this series and dive into that a little bit deeper. Um, how much you have at your disposal in this situation can depend on whether or not the plan has vesting features, like we talked about previously, uh, with respect to the employer match and the profit sharing. Great. Thanks, Dan. Uh, I think you've given our listeners a solid understanding of qualified retirement plans. We hope our listeners will join us for our next podcast in this series, which will be all about individual retirement accounts, and then our third podcast about retirement planning strategies using both qualified plans and IRAs. So I'd like to thank everyone for joining us today. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Savvy and Sensible. Visit us at arbcpa.com for additional resources and to learn more about our services.